Would you pray with me? Father, we, we turn our eyes to you. We, we want to look at you and, and know who you are and worship you. God, I pray you would help our hearts to, to stay attuned to who you are. God, we also believe that you're presence with us. We, we, we don't believe you're distant and removed. You've said that where two or three are gathered, you're, you're here. And we don't need big crowds. We need you. And so God, I pray as, as we continue to worship by looking at your word, I'm praying that our hearts would, would really connect with you. God, I pray we would meet you and we would hear from you. God, I pray you would help us all to hear exactly what you would say to us today. God, I'm also asking, would you help me to teach? God, I don't want to be up here by myself. I want to be up here with you, filled with your spirit, proclaiming the word. So I'm asking that you would do that and that we would leave here today having met with you and met with his church and that we would leave saying we know Jesus better and love him more because we went to church and gathered with the body today. Make, make us those type of people. Make this worthwhile, God. And I pray that all in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. <clears throat> All right, everyone. Well, we're going to be uh, continuing our series in prayer. Now, before I, I get into that, there's one thing that I didn't really have planned, but I want to talk to everyone here about. Uh, there's some kind of hurricane, tropical storm thing brewing down in South Florida, right? Have y'all seen that in the news? Okay, it's Elsa. They named it after a Disney character, which is a really weird thing to me. Um, but here's what I want to say, church. Uh, I just want to make sure, if you are by yourself, I, it, listen, it may, it may be a tropical storm. It may be nothing. It may not even come anywhere near Tallahassee. But if, if, you, are, if you are by yourself, if you are older and you have problems getting things ready for your house, I need, would you please come and let me know at the end of this service so as we as a church can make sure that your needs are met and you're taken care of? Does that sound like a good deal? All right, if there's some reason that you feel like, man, you're all by yourself right now, we don't want you trying to figure this out by yourself. It may be small. It may be nothing. You may just need someone to come and make sure you have water. We, we don't care. Would you just let us know? And I'm also saying to the rest of the church, if you know other people in the church who are by themselves or who might need help getting ready for a hurricane coming, reach out. Don't wait for them to reach out to us. Reach out and call them and make sure they got needs met. We can step up and be the body. Okay. Is that like a good deal? Y'all know what I'm asking? Okay, if God puts person on your heart, you listen to him and you call those people, okay, and check on them. Um, okay, that, that was nothing to do with my sermon, just we got to be the church for one another. If we can't do that in a storm, I don't know how we'll do it uh, other times. Okay, moving forward. We, we've been looking at prayer for the past, past couple weeks, and we've been going through Matthew chapter 6 and the Lord's Prayer. And I just want to remind you why we're focusing on that this summer. We're, we're focusing on it because there's this, there's this thing that... I, I think is going on in me and I think it's going on in you as well. I, I believe that we want to see God do a work in this body. Right? Like we, we want to see people meet Jesus and hear his good news and get saved. Like we, we want to see that happen and not just like once a year. We want to see that happening all the time. We want people who are struggling and wrestling and limping along or, or maybe totally wrapped up in sin and addiction. We want to see those people show up, meet the church and have us introduce them to Jesus and have them experience life change, like real life change. Like we want to see marriages saved and, and lives set on a different path that's broken. We want to see God do a work that only he can do. And, and here's what I don't want to have happen. I, I don't want to see God work because of some marketing scheme. Right? Would you all agree with that? 
Because then I'm saying, I think that was the marketing scheme. I don't want some slick event that I don't want. We just want to, if, a, if God uses an event, fine. But I'm saying we want to see God work. That's what I want. And, and I know this. Listen, I, if he's going to work, I think prayer is a big piece of it. And, and I got to be honest. I, I ask this question for me. I look around. I'm like, I wonder what's going on in the other churches in Tallahassee. I wonder what's going on in our church. And I can't help but have this gnawing feeling that we really stink at prayer. But please don't take that personal. All right. I didn't say we. I didn't say you stink at prayer. I've got it figured out. Like what I'm saying is prayer feels hard and tricky. It feels like work. And it, it feels like it's one of those things that, man, if God's going to work, I don't want us to stink at prayer. I want us to go and ask him to work and then see him do what we ask him to do. That's what I'm, that's, that's it. It's simple. This isn't rocket science. This isn't complicated, but we're going to take this summer to keep focusing on, on prayer. How, how do we approach God? And, and the, our model prayer we're looking at is the Lord's prayer. We're going to read through that here in a second. But, but when I say things like I want to see him actually work, here's part of my concern. Part of my concern is that prayer in the church too often, and I'm not saying it's wrong to do this, but prayer in the church is almost exclusively about praying for people who are sick, right? Y'all experience that? You can, you can nod. Okay. That's almost, that's almost all it is. When we gather to pray or when we talk about prayer requests, it's almost always for the sick. And I'm not saying that's wrong. We should be praying for the sick. The Bible makes that very clear. But my problem is I'm not sure that's the sole thing that we're supposed to be praying for. And one of the reasons I think we've, we've gotten lackadaisical in prayer is we've taken one piece of prayer. We've made it the whole pie and that is not the whole pie. You cannot make a cake with one ingredient. And that's what we've tried to do. We've just dumped in prayer for the sick, prayer for the sick, prayer for the sick, prayer for the sick and saying, why don't I have a cake? I just have a big bowl of sugar. Like that's, that is not God's intention for prayer. There's a whole lot more ingredients that can go into it. And I think the Lord's prayer, this model prayer gives gives us a list of ingredients that we can put into prayer. Now, I even hate that illustration. Can I just say it? Like, it's the only one that popped in my mind, but I don't want you to think there's a magic formula for prayer. I just want you to see there's more that goes into prayer than just praying for one thing. Okay? So let's read the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. It's in verses 9 through 13. Let me read it for us. He says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. Listen, that. That's the passage we're looking at for the next couple of weeks. And last week we looked at uh, hallowed be your name. And this week we're going to be in verse 10. Now listen, let me read verse 10 to you. So you see the, again, so you see what we're focusing on. It says this, the very first part of verse 10 says, your kingdom come. It's kind of a weird prayer. Um, I started chewing on that and said, okay, what is he saying here? When Jesus is saying, here's what I want you to pray. When you're praying, say, God, your kingdom come. What is it that Jesus is saying? And so I started asking myself this question. Like, for example, uh, when I say, God, we want you to set up your kingdom, what does that mean? What is a kingdom? Now, I'm going to get real basic here because this is obvious. But when we talk about a kingdom, there's normally three or four things that are involved in a kingdom. You have a king. You have his people. 
You have his domain or his land and you have his laws. And we're saying, God, here's what we're asking for you to do. And we say your kingdom come. We're saying, well, we want you to come and be king. We want you to rule over the whole world. We want to be your people and we want to obey your laws. What we want is we want you to come and set up shop over the whole world. We want every man, woman, and child in the earth to be in your kingdom and under your rule. That's that prayer. It's this longing for him to be king. It's this prayer that's saying, God, we just just want you to come. Fix it all. It's just broken. We need you to come and be king because there's no king that will do as good of a job as you. There's no one wise enough and strong enough and kind enough to set up a really, really good kingdom. You're it. You're our option. We were putting all our eggs in the basket of King Jesus and saying, we want you to come and be king. And now, now listen, as I'm, as I'm saying that, I think some people are saying, I don't know about that. I don't know where you're at. You may be thinking, I don't know if I like the idea of Jesus coming and being king. I think some people would find that idea scary and terrifying and oppressive. And maybe they should. <laughs> Let me tell you why they would find it scary and terrifying and oppressive. A few reasons I would say that. Reason number one is when the church has been in charge in history, they've done a really bad job. Are you okay with that? Like if you, if, if you don't know the history of like the Reformation, the time when the church was doing things like crusades and slaughtering people left and right in the name of a kingdom of God, you need to do some study of history. If you're a history buff, you know what I'm talking about. They have reason to be nervous because when the church has been in charge, sometimes they've done some really, really horrible things. Now, I would argue that's not the real church and that hasn't been the real kingdom of God, but there is reason people should be nervous because they equate the kingdom of God with the oppression of religious entities, right? The abuse and, and just absolute atrocities. Religion has been used to oppress and destroy people for literally thousands of years. So when I say your kingdom come, I know there's people that would hear that and say, absolutely not. I'm 100% out for that. But but I want to suggest to you that the kingdom we're talking about, that we're asking God to bring, is not the kingdom you might be thinking of. The kingdom we want God to bring is not the rule of the Republican Party or the rule of the Democratic Party. It's not even the rule of America. That's a rough one to say on July 4th. (laughs) Don't throw things at me. That's not the kingdom that we are talking about. When we say your kingdom come, we mean God's kingdom. And, and, and we want that for a few reasons. Let, let me read one. One of them is this. We want him to reign because he's actually the rightful king. He's always been the king. He's always been in charge. Since he created the universe, he's been in charge Listen to what it says, Psalm 45, verse 6. I'm just going to read a few Psalms to you. I want you to see that he's the rightful king. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. Like, God, you've been on the throne forever, and your rule, it's right. It's really, really good. It's upright is the word he uses there. Or Psalm chapter 47, verses 6 and 7. He says this, sing praises to God, sing praises. Why? Sing praises to our 
king. Sing praises for God is the king of all the earth. Listen, he, he, he rules over the entire earth. It's forever. It's good. He rules over the earth. Psalm 93 verses one and two says this, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. In other words, he's, he reigns. He's majestic. He's strong. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. And your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. Here's the point I'm trying to make. God was always meant to rule. Uh, he, he is the rightful king. The problem is not that God has been a bad king. The problem is that we've been bad subjects. Like he, he, he was intending to rule and have a good and just and awesome kingdom. And we rebelled. We said, we don't want you to rule. We don't want you to be king. We want to do it our way. We want to be in charge. We want to decide what's right for us. We, we, we don't want you to be our king. We want it. And the result is that everything and everyone has been plunged in this cycle of brokenness and rebellion and suffering and chaos and pain. And it's not going to be fixed until the rightful king rules on this earth again. It, it won't be. Listen, I know we, we can long for things to get better. I, I don't want to say, hey, it's going down. There's nothing we can do about it. So why bother? That's not the point. <laughs> the point is not why bother. The point is look forward to a king coming, the right king who will fix everything. And listen, it's not just that I want him to come because he's the rightful king. I, I actually think that he's going to be a good king, like merciful and patient. Listen, and not just merciful and patient and kind, but just and fair. Here's why I would say that. Like, and that's different from what I think we've seen with things like the Crusades. And I know, I'm, I know for some of you, you don't know why I keep addressing that. But if you have friends that are far from God, that's an issue. Here's why, I'm, why I think he's going to be a really good and patient and forgiving God. I'm going to tell you a story about a guy named Jesus. That while we were enemies, he died for us. Read these verses to you. Romans chapter five, verse six. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. We were weak and this king responded to weakness by dying for us. Verse eight. But God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, while we were still in rebellion, while we were missing the mark of his standard and expectation for us. Look at how this king responded. Christ died for us. Listen, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were his enemies, we were weak, we were in rebellion, we were enemies. He says, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Let me tell you what it just tells, what that story is. That story is of a king who saw people who were weak, rebellious, and enemies. And his response was, I love you. I'm going to come to get you. I'm going to die on the cross to pay the penalty for all your rebellion so that I can bring you back into my kingdom and not just into my kingdom, into my family. What, what kind of king does that? 
That's, that's not a cruel and brutal and savage and oppressive king. That's a shockingly graceful and kind and patient king. Listen, if that's the kind of king we're talking about, I want him to be king because he's going to be a really, really good king. If he treats my weakness and my rebellion and my acts of being an enemy, if he treats it with grace and mercy and the opportunity to be part of his family, that, that's a king I'm not quite sure I understand. Now, that's not like any king I've ever read about in history or that sits on any throne in the world today. You don't rebel against governments and kings and get a promotion, right? You just try an act of treason, see what happens to you. Even in the, the most gracious countries, it, it's not going to go well. And we all entered into treason and he offers us forgiveness. Man, that is, that is just awesome. But it's not just that he's the rightful king and he's going to be a good king. I, I want you to see what he's actually going to do, what he says he's going to do when he sets up shop. Because he's strong. He's a good king that's going to be strong. Let me read these verses to you. Because remember, I'm trying to remind you, when I say your kingdom come, what is it I'm asking for? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is what he's going to, some of the things that he's going to do when he sets up his kingdom. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 24 says this. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. Listen, he's saying, listen, he's going to come and he's going to destroy everything that sets itself up against the good rule of God. He's going to destroy every enemy, all of them. Verse 25, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Now, who are those enemies? Well, I don't know all of them, but I know one of them. Verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Listen, this this almost sounds too good to be true. That the thing that Jesus says he's going to do when he comes and sets up shop, he's going to destroy everyone that's against his rule and every enemy. And the last enemy he's going to get a hold by the throat and beat down is the enemy of death. You need to think about that. He's saying, when I come to set up shop as king, I'm going to defeat death for everyone. It's like a fairy tale. It's, it's just shocking. You need to hear that. When we say your kingdom come, we're saying we want you to come and we want you to be king to fix what's broken and we want you to end death. That's good news. After all the people who have died from coronavirus in the last year, does that sound like good news to you? That he ends things like that? After all the people you know that have gone before us that have died from accidents or gotten those cancer diagnoses and gone from that, or whatever that thing is, from tragedy. I mean, we have a list of things. Doesn't it sound like good news to you that he's the king that puts an end to that? And it's not an empty political promise. It's not something we hear like, listen, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give this to everyone. It's not that. He's not a politician trying to earn your vote. He's the king that says, I already beat death with my son. I'm just going to do it for all of you when I come back. It's, it's good news, man. It's really good news. It makes me happy and it makes me kind of want to dance and dance, but I'll refrain from that because we're at a Baptist church. That, that's good news, you guys. We say your kingdom come. 
When he says, pray for the kingdom to come, you're looking forward for God to do this thing that blows your mind. It's so good, we can't even fathom it. But he's got more. Let me tell you what else he does. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. Here's here's this description of him coming and setting up his throne. And I heard a loud voice from the throne. This is God saying, behold. Now he's coming, setting up shop on the earth. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Man, we're so used to these, these cheap imitations of rulers making promises they can't deliver on. Little, small, weak, puny promises. And then the real king speaks and he says, I'm going to set up a kingdom and it's going to last forever. And I'm going to whoop death's rear end and I'm going to set up shop and there's no more mourning and no more crying and no more suffering and no more pain. Listen, I'm going to make everything new. That's, that's, we can pray about that. Yeah, you can praise him. Clap for it. It's something to be excited about. Listen, this good news, this good news of a king that's going to come, what, what is he telling us to pray for? What does that look like? That's, that sounds good. It gets me all pumped up at church. But what does that look like when I'm by myself trying to hit my knees begging God to work? Right? Like, how is that sprinkled in the recipe of prayer? Hey, here's what I think. I, I think it's a prayer of longing. It's a prayer of hope. It's hopeful longing. It's almost a prayer, if you look at Romans 8, a prayer of groaning. It's it's that moment when I see my sin and my response is I I groan. And I say, God, I just, I can't wait for you to come and set up your kingdom and fix everything in me that's broken once and for all. It's a prayer. God, just, would you finish the work in me? I'm ready for it. Right? You ever felt that when you were wrapped up in a sin and over and over and over again? We feel sometimes like I can't go back and talk to him. I've screwed up too much. And he's sitting there saying, just ask for my kingdom because that's what I'm going to get rid of when I show up. That's good news. It's longing for him to finish the work, whatever it is. When I experience sickness or suffering or my friends are experiencing huge loss, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you, we've walked through that. It's, it's really rough. Or maybe I've experienced injustice. Someone's treated me unfairly. And I'm like, I don't even see a way out of it. It's that prayer of longing, that groan that says, God, what are you, will you come? When will you come? Be king. I can't wait for you to be king and make all this suffering stop and all this agony go away and all this injustice. You will end every oppressor. That is, that's the prayer of your kingdom come. When, when I watch the news, 
right? It's not just when I see my own sin or I experience injustice. When I actually watch the news and I see what looks like a world on fire, I, I, I see all sorts of stuff. I can't, you can't even tell what's going on in the news. Is, is this police brutality? Is, is this injustice? Is it, well, what is it? What, is, what am I looking at here? Is this rebellion? I look at other countries and you got dictators and, and coups that are happening all over the place and massacres and genocide happening over and over and over again. You look at the world and you see all this injustice. You see women oppressed being forced to wear burqas in the Middle East. You hear news stories of people in Africa of armies raiding girls' schools and kidnapping all the women. You see tragedy after tragedy after tragedy and the prayer of your kingdom come is a prayer in response that groans and sees the brokenness around us and says, God, we want you to come back and fix this. We are ruining it at all. We need a good king. It's, it's that type of prayer. It's, it's that moment in prayer when you're suffering or you're struggling or you're frustrated because everything is broken around you and all you can do is go to the one person that can make it all right and say, I'm just telling you right now, I just want you to come and I want you to fix it. It's like that feeling you get. I don't know if any of you ever did this, but it's that feeling one person wrote. Um, he described this type of prayer as uh, him and his fiance, they were engaged, had been married after he wrote this. We talked about the lovesick feeling he had as he longed for his fiance, who was thousands of miles away and they couldn't be together until their wedding day. Right? I don't, did any of y'all do a long distance relationship? Anybody here? A few of you? You know that feeling? When, when you're first date and you're all in love and everything's great and you're not really ever fighting and arguing and then you get engaged, but now it's long distance. Right? And there's that, that aching, that longing. I just can't wait to get back together with them. Right? There's, the cell phone doesn't quite do it justice. Now we got the advantage of Skype and FaceTime, which is a total different ballgame. But listen, I'm telling you, grandparents, you know this feeling, right? You got grandkids? I, I know FaceTime is great, but is it as good as having your grandkids right there with you? Y'all must got some lousy grandkids. I can't even believe I didn't have a single person in here go, no, they're, they're better on FaceTime. Okay, that illustration. Um, Y'all's kids are crazy. Uh, right? Like, it's one thing to see those cute little boogers in a picture and on FaceTime, but them crawling all over you and making a mess in your house. You love it, or at least you're supposed to. If you don't, repent. I don't know what's going on. You poor grandkids. Okay. That's, listen, that, that's what this prayer is. It's a prayer of longing to be reconnected with the one we love. It's a prayer of longing for the king to fix what we broke. It's for him to come and make it permanent. It's a longing with hope. Like, like hope that he'll actually do what he said he's going to do. That type of prayer. And that doesn't feel like the slow, boring aching prayer I feel like I've been used to sometimes at church. Man, when Jesus says, pray your kingdom come, don't let that be a boring prayer. I don't know what that, your kingdom come. No, it's way more than that. It's longing, it's hope, it's groaning, it's a desire to see him make all things new. But, but there's more in this prayer. Let me flip back to Matthew chapter six. He doesn't just pray your kingdom come. It's not just forward-looking. There's something right here and right now that Jesus tells us to pray. It, it's not some head in the clouds, only in the future will everything be okay. There's also a prayer for today. 
Here's what else he says in verse 10 of chapter 6. He says, your kingdom come, in this next phrase, your will be done. He says, listen, we want your kingdom to come, but we also want your will. What you say you want done, we want it to be done. And then he describes it in a certain way. Look at how he describes this. On earth as it is in heaven. So, so I'm asking this question. Well, what am I praying here? I'm, I'm praying for God's will to be done here in the same exact way that it's done in heaven. Well, how is God obeyed in heaven? He's obeyed immediately, right? When he says, hey, Michael, I need you to go deliver this message. You think Michael says, you know what? I think I got a time slot tomorrow at 10 a.m. I'll get right on that. No, when God says I need to deliver this message, what do they do in heaven? They deliver the message. They deliver it right away. They don't wait. They don't delay. Let me listen. When God says deliver this message, do you think Michael gets the words wrong? And he better not. I'm just telling you, he doesn't just obey it immediately. He obeys it perfectly. Word for word. When God says, I want this done in heaven, they do it right away and they do it perfectly. And they also do it completely. Not like my kids. I say, go pick up your room. And they say, I did. And I'm like, you picked up three things. You got 40 on the floor. Like, okay, you obeyed a little bit. When God says, clean, clean your room, horrible illustration. Listen, they do it right away. They do it completely. They do it perfectly. And they also do it with joy. They're not, I mean, he's always telling me to send messages. It's like, I can't have any free time around. I think that's how they respond to God in heaven. When God says he wants something done, they love to do it. They love to do it all the way, completely. And if it has to be done over and over and over and over and over and over again, then they do it with joy over and over and over. And I won't follow down that path anymore because I've said it enough. They love to obey God perfectly and completely with joy over and over and over again. And they never tire of obeying him. Then I compare it. How do we obey him on earth? How do I obey him on earth? Man, I wish this prayer wasn't so convicting. <laughs> but then you get the idea, right? What, what is the prayer, your will be done on earth as is in heaven? Let me show you a few places that that touches. It starts with me first. God, I just, would you help me to obey you here just like they obey you in heaven? Would you help me to obey you with more like joy, more perfection, more completeness, not, not to get tired of it, not to delay, not to stall, not to pretend like I didn't hear you. Well, would you help me to understand what you want and help me to do it perfectly? Help me to obey you on earth just like they obey you in heaven. It's got help, help me. It's, it's not just for me. It's for my church, right? For our church, we're praying for us to be the church that he wants us to be in this city to one another. God, would you help us to obey you in this church just like they obey you in heaven? Help us to love one another. You commanded it just like they obey in heaven on that. Help us to be on mission just the same way that they obey you in heaven. Help us to make disciples, the exact command that you said. Help us to do that here this week just like you did in heaven. God, help us to, to meet needs. Help us to, to reach out with mercy to those who are needy and hurting. God, help us to do it and obey you here just like they do in heaven. Man, that is that type of prayer. But, but 
But it's not just me and in the church. I, I think there's another prayer here. There's, there's a prayer for the world. This isn't just a prayer for the believers to obey. Listen, we want the entire world to start obeying him right now, just like they do in heaven. This is a prayer, not just for your kingdom to come into the future, but for your kingdom to start popping up right now, today, all around us. This is a prayer for every man, woman, and child in Tallahassee to begin to meet Jesus and start to obey him right now. It's, it's a call, not just for Tallahassee, but the entire United States of America. God, we want all the men, women, and children in this country. We want them to obey you right now in everything, just like they do in heaven. It, it's a prayer for the nations. It's a prayer for people from every tribe, every tongue, every language, every religion all over the world. We're praying for them all to bend the knee to King Jesus and obey him right now, just like they do in heaven. This is a prayer not only for us to obey, it's a prayer for everyone out there to meet him and know him and obey him. This is a prayer for the gospel to spread. God, we want your kingdom to come, but we also want you to start working right now. It's, it's that prayer. So, so I'm asking, what does that look like for us? What, what does that mean for me in prayer? Well, well listen, I touched on this. Pray for yourself and for your church that we will be obeying, that we love one another well and live on mission. But, but let me, I'm going to start locally and I'm going to go globally. I want to give you a few things. First of all, listen, um, I think it's a prayer for you to figure out how to engage people where you live, in your neighborhood, where you work, where you learn, where your kids go to school, and where you play, the stuff you do for fun. How do I engage in those areas, God, for your namesake? It, does that feel tricky to anyone else? It feels tricky. When I talk about saying, God, I'm supposed to be a witness for you in my neighborhood. And I got to see those people, hopefully not every day, but week in and week out, right? When my grass isn't cut or the hedge are looking sloppy or they're doing some kind of crazy, goofy thing. I don't know what your neighbors are like. Like trying to figure out how to meet your neighbors and engage them with the gospel. You slip up in that one and now you either got to sell the house and move or you're hiding as much as possible when they come out, right? You don't want this to go bad in your neighborhood. And you definitely don't want it to go bad at work. Right? Listen, that goes bad at work depending on your job. All sorts of awesome things can happen. <laughs> right? Like you're a boss and you misstep on that with an employee. Right? What kind of lawsuits are you opening yourself up to? Right? Are you working government? There's certain boundaries you aren't allowed to cross. You strip up on that one. You, you got some consequences for your career, right? Or, or maybe your boss doesn't like any of that. You're the employee. Like, listen, that's not easy. It's not easy in my neighborhood. It's definitely not easy at work unless you work at a church and then you just witness to all the pastors as much as you can. No, I'm just playing on that one. Um, it's not easy at work. It's not easy at home. You know where else it's not easy? It's not easy at school. It's not easy if your kid acts like a lunatic for you to sit down with the teacher, the parent teacher thing and say, listen, can I tell you about Jesus? Right? That's not easy. It's not easy when you're a student in school and you got all the peer pressure coming in on you, whether that's high school or college or middle school, all you think it's easy to stand up and share the gospel with your friends. Man, there's pressure in that. 
when we talk about doing where you play, like, listen, I just, I want to play golf and have fun. I, can we, if I bring that up on like the fifth hole, I've still got like 13 holes left or four, depending on how many go- holes of golf you play. This is going to be a real, real awkward. I bring it up on the fishing boat. I'm never coming back on that fishing boat, right? My hopes of bass fishing on an awesome lake are gone forever because I shared the gospel with my one friend that owns a boat, right? Like there's consequences. It's hard. Listen, here's what I'm telling you. You start to try to engage that mission, you're going to start praying or you're insane. You invite your neighbor over for, for dinner. You may not get to share the gospel, but I promise you that moment where they're about to come over, you're going to, you're saying, Jesus, I, I need your help right now. I, I need wisdom. I need you to give me words to say. If I need to shut up, you tell me to shut up. Help me not to be afraid. You're, you're going to pray. You invite a friend to church. I tell you what you're going to do. You invite an unsafe friend to church and they actually show up here. Uh, I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I would bet you're sitting there going, Jesus, please let that welcome team knock it out of the park. Please, they make that coffee amazing. Please help Fias not say something stupid from the pulpit. Just give him power like we've never seen and do a work in my friend's heart that they meet Jesus. You'll, you'll, listen, I need you to invite more friends so you can pray for my sermons more. Right? Like, right? You, you want everything to be perfect the week you bring an unsafe friend here. You want kids ministry to be killing it. You will beg Jesus to make sure every volunteer shows up on Sunday morning if your friend's got a baby. I'm telling you, an empty nursery is a disaster. That's a big deal. And you, I'm telling you, that's the prayer for the kingdom that you will start engaging. But it's not just us. I want to give a couple practical tools for praying for the global mission. I'm, I, I don't know if this bores y'all, but it doesn't bore me. I love talking about it. I'm going to show up a few things up here on the thing. I want to give you a few resources for how to play for the nations because that can feel really complicated. One of them is this. If you, whenever you meet a missionary, you need to ask to get on their prayer list. Okay, I know that sounds simple, but when you meet a missionary and you love where they're working, say, hey man, would you mind putting me on your email prayer list? And they will email, they should email you fairly regularly about things you can pray for on the people they're working with. But if you don't have that right now, let me give you a couple other options. The first one is this, Operation World. I don't know if you've ever heard of Operation World. Uh, we got a picture of the webpage up here. It's operationworld. I can't remember if it's org or .com, but... Dot, dot org. See, Josh took care of all that on there. There's also an app for Operation World. And here's what Operation World does. It will take a year and it will help you pray every day through the entire world. It'll take a country like the United States of America and you'll pray for that for several days and give you facts to pray about. It'll send you notifications on your phone. Hey, pray today for the people of the U.S. or whatever. It'll, it'll pray through the entire world for Operation World. Or another one called Joshua Project. Uh, This one is about unreached people groups. In case you don't know about that, um, there are around 7,419 unreached people groups. Here's what that simply means. Uh, Unreached people group means there's not a whole bunch of Christians in there. That's around 3.28 billion people in the world today live in an unreached people group, which means they probably have little to no access to the gospel. They aren't coming to a church like this because it doesn't exist. 
If you want to pray for those, they've got, they've got, you can pray for a people of the day. You can research other people. They'll, they'll send you a thing on the app as well that says pray for this unreached people group of the day. And there's more. It's not just unreached people group. There's also things called, they used to call them unreached unengaged. They call them frontier people groups now. These people have almost zero gospel access. There's not even missionaries working among some of these people. That's around 1.97 billion one point, that's almost 2 billion people with no missionary and no strategy to engage them. Now, I think that takes some prayer. That we pray for God to send people from this body to go to some of the hardest reached people in the hardest places in the world because we want his kingdom to come and we want his will done right now on earth just like it is in heaven. Listen, we find things like that. We pray for our missionaries on the field. And we, we pray for the world and we pray for unreached people groups. I got another resource for you that's helpful for me. It's an IMB website. IMB is the International Mission Board. That's uh, the Southern Baptist arm of global missions. They do a phenomenal job with missions. They've got a thing on their webpage. You go to imb.org.org. I think it's .org. Yes, imb.org. And there's a thing on the top, you can click pray. They also have an app called IMB Pray that'll send you notifications of things to pray for every single day. And they'll tell you stories of people on the field. And we send money to the IMB every year. And you'll be able to pray for where our money goes to every single year. So, so listen, when we say we praying for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, I know that his will is for every man, woman, and child to hear the good news. His will is for the church to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is what we're praying for. So here's my question for us today, or my challenge. When, when you pray, don't, pray for your sick friends. I'm not saying not to do that. But when you pray and you come to God as Father, and you realize that he's the Holy One, can we start adding to our prayer? God, we want your kingdom to come. The prayer of hopeful longing. And God, we want your will to be done. The prayer for the mission and the obedience of the church. Let's start praying for those things and see what God does. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to guide us in a time of response. And right there in your seat, I don't know what God's been doing in your heart, but if you felt him stir in your heart that you do have this longing for him to come and you're suffering today or you have friends that are suffering, take a few moments right there in your seat and just pray for his kingdom to come. Maybe the thing that you've been wrestling with as you heard this is you're sitting there saying, man, there's some things that I need to obey. I'm struggling obeying. I need him to help me obey. Whatever it is, ask him to help you. Ask for his will to be done in your life, just like it is in heaven. Or pray for this church. Or pray for missionaries in the global mission. Listen, there's lots for us to pray about, and I pray that you would do that. Whatever he called you to, commit to pray to him in the way we're talking about here today. Would you also ask, God, is there an unsaved friend or coworker or neighbor, person in your kid's class, wherever? If he wants you to reach out to them, invite them over for dinner or coffee or whatever, don't be weird about it. Would you just obey him in that? 
ask him who he'd have you reach out to. For some of you here today, you're, you're nervous about a king coming because he's not your king. Listen, you need to hear this. He's not your king because you go to church. That's not why he's our king. He's not our king because we earned it. Listen, he's our king because he sent his son to die on the cross for us while we were in rebellion. And he just simply said, if you'll place your trust in me and ask me to forgive you and ask me to make you a son or daughter, I will do it. I will come and I will clean you and I will make you my own. Listen, if you've never done that, if you've never made him your king, I'm gonna encourage you right there in your seat to actually ask him to save you. In a few moments, we're all going to respond. Let me tell you what it's going to look like. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a song where we, we worship Jesus. Listen, this altar will be open. If you want to pray, for whatever reason, we'll be down front. We'd love to pray with you. You can pray by yourself at the altar. If you need to speak to a pastor, a decision counselor about anything that God's doing in your life, we'll be down front waiting. If you come down, we'll, we'll talk to you and, and have whatever conversation you want to have. But this is the moment that we respond to what he did in our heart. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we want your kingdom to come. We want, and we want you to bring it, not us. We want you to rule. God, and I pray for us as a people and as a church that you would do a work in our hearts, that we would obey you more and more with more joy as every, as, with each passing to help us to obey you like they do in heaven. We pray for our city. You would help us to reach people with the good news. We pray for our missionary friends and the unreached of the world. God, we want you to work. We want your name to be known and your good news to be heard. So God, we ask that you would work, that you would send people from this church. We don't care what church, but God, we pray you would send men and women and families. We pray that you would send them to reach the unreached. We pray that this church would glorify your name in this city and to the ends of the earth. We pray that all in Jesus' name, amen.